Bringing you all the latest info from the coaches, players, and recruits. Kirby, how big is this commitment? Well, he's the type of recruit that can change the whole class. For all of the latest KU news, analysis, and discussion, go online to jayhawkslant.com. The online leader in recruiting and team coverage. Here's the staff from jayhawkslant.com. Hey everybody, this is Randy Withers. Welcome into another edition of the Inside Slant podcast from jayhawkslant.com. The Kansas football program is coming out of the bye week and the Jayhawks take the field this Saturday in Lawrence against Oklahoma State. We're going to give our predictions, break down this game, talk a lot about what's coming in in regards to news from the recruiting trail uh, from Lance Leipold and his staff. We're going to be joined by the man, Brandon McAnderson. We're also going to hear from Devin Neal about what went on during the bye week and what he feels about where this team is right now. Then, the elephant in the room kansas basketball the reigning national champions start the season start the exhibition season thursday night this was going to be a football only podcast but we had to call in our man shay wildebore out of the bullpen with the latest news that broke today regarding bill self and the kansas jayhawks so shay will be with us for a little while speaking of which Coming in off the street right now, our man Shea Wildeboer on the basketball beat. Shea, how you doing tonight? I'm good, man. How are you, brother? I'm good. I am good. How was your Halloween? It, man, you know what? Kemper, this is the first year, you know, Kemper didn't do anything, didn't have any buddies over. We sat in the front yard, um, had our inflatables going, handed out candy, and had a blast. It was just a really nice, relaxing, had one of the dogs with us, and it was uh, just kind of a cool father-son. You know, I'm he's getting to the point where – He's he's starting to do his own thing. So anytime I can get one on one time with him, it's it's awesome. So we had a, a nice quiet evening followed up um, with a little Halloween Michael Myers, and it was a, it was a good night, man. It was a any night I get with Kemper's a good night for me. That's awesome. That is awesome. Now it's time to bring in our man on the football beat, the publisher of Jayhawk Slant, my good friend John Kirby. John, how are you tonight? Good. What's going on, fellas? Um, coming off Halloween. Hey, Randy. You you had a heck of a Halloween. Now you you got on a plane and went out to Salem. Yes, my I flew out there. Uh Oh, my wife was out there for she was out there for for work. So I met her in Boston. Uh, we rented a car, drove out to Salem, and man, you want to talk about people watching and just just insanity. I mean, it it mm-hmm. was it was it was amazing. I mean, we went to, they. Aside from everything, all the crazy stuff going on for Halloween out there, they have some really cool museums. The you know the the Salem Witch Museum that is actually inside uh, the house where the Salem Witch Trials took place, and just reading about the history of it and and what sparked that kind of hysteria and it's 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 one of those things like, you know, obviously it's gotten tied in with, with Halloween and everything. And that's, that's fun and all, but there's, there's a lot, there's a, there's so much underlying, just, just, it was a really dark time. And did I, did I see you in a suit, Randy? I'm sorry. Did I see you in a suit with uh, Jason Voorhees? Yes, you did. That okay. was, that was me in my David S pumpkin suit, which I broke out before I knew. 
There you go. That Tom Hanks was returning on SNL as David S. Pumpkins. But yeah, that, that picture with Jason, that's the best Jason I've ever seen. That dude was probably about 6'3". He was big, huge. He was a big boy. I would, oh, yeah. That, that's I've thought about making that the profile picture on my LinkedIn. I, I absolutely I love it. Love it. We, we're huge Halloween people, so getting the chance to go out to Salem for a few days, and then we, we road tripped up through New Hampshire and through Maine. It, it's a beautiful part of the country. I'd never been out there. But, man, Halloween in Salem is a whole other level of crazy. And I never get to talk about this, so I'm going to ask you boys. Can the boys – will the boys become bowl eligible this week? Randy, can it happen? I mean, listen, these ki- these kids have been through so much, man. I mean, just the last ten years or whatever it's been. I mean, can they can they get over that hump and get the bowl game? Shay, we're giving our predictions later, man. You got to listen to the podcast. Okay, all right, all right, all right. No, I don't. Hey, listen, yeah. fellas, I, I never get to talk football. I, I, one day, I want to come on here and I want to shoot the breeze about some football. Look at John selling the sizzle, not the steak. There, right? <laughs> Tease and don't tell. Going with the old style radio approach. I love it. Shay, well, me, yes, one of these days you'll have to hang. We'll we'll get you on, and we will just talk football. Okay. That'd be I'd love that. Yeah, because I think the listen. I'll, I'll say this before we get started. I think the guys have great. It's you know the five and zero start has been great. And to me, I know people just see me as a basketball guy, but for me, the the evolution of Lance Leipold in such a short period of time and just you know they're not winning every game. You know they're five and three, but just they're competitive. You know, mm-hmm. it's not 55 to two or 50. I mean, these guys are getting after it. They're competitive. They're working. And I, you know, for me, it's, it's been great to see. It's been really, um, it's one of those things you ever, you, you think to yourself, is it ever going to happen? You know, are they ever going to be competitive? And I mean, these guys this year, it's been damn fun. So let me say that and then we can move on and then I'll get going. Hey, Shay dog. I thought you were going to start talking about the Miami hurricanes. Oh, dude, they're – hey, listen. Are they ever going to get that thing turned around? <laughs> I remember growing up, they had Michael Barrow and Gino Toretta and Lamar uh, Thomas and the Bermuda Triangle and all the uh, – dude, I mean, yeah. I mean, they just – they've lost that swagger, baby. The U is uh, – That was your team. That was your that team. Was that for, year, for decades. But, hey, but there's guys – reason for them not to be good with as much talent as there is in, in Miami-Dade. I mean, just – they should be getting every kid that comes out of Miami Northwest High School. Seriously. Well, Randy, I mean, listen, dude, they, the swagger is gone. When they had the Ray Lewis and the Willis McGahees and the um, – The Ed Reeds. Ed the Reeds. Boy, and, you uh, guys are starting to name a lot of guys from a long time ago. Hey, I'm going to go back here. It's uh, been a long time since they've had dudes like that. Dudes. I mean, they had they had a defense with like five Hall of Famers on it. Right, and, right. And it's the amount and, – and this is – you know, John and I talk about this all the time. This is one of the ways that the internet has changed recruiting so much is there would have been, you know, 20 years ago, there'd be guys in Miami that you'd never – you know, outside of Miami or outside the state of Florida you would have never heard of that went on to be top 10 picks. Now that doesn't happen. Right. If you can play, they find you. And just like you see with basketball. You can – if a guy can shoot and he's in Lithuania, they're going to get to him. Right. You know, it's – it's that's – the world has become smaller with, right. with the the rise of all this. And it's, it you know, we talk, we're looking at, you know, we talk about Lance Leipold. The world has changed so much that Nebraska, that they didn't change with the times. And that's why they're where they are now. Right. I'm going to say this. And I think, Randy, I'll have you go back and look. 91 or 93, Miami's playing Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. And Gino Toretta, I think he had just won the Heisman or he'd won it the, he would win it the previous, or the next year. And I remember Alabama smoked Miami. And I can remember sitting in my living room just as a teenager and, like, being emotionally, like, 
oh my god, I've never seen this before. What what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, out back then, and who was the coach back? Then? It was a uh, was it Gene Stallings probably in ninety one or ninety three? Yeah, I, I mean, think it was. Miami, yeah, yeah, that was crushed Stallings. Miami. I remember George Teague caught up with a Miami wide receiver, ripped the ball out of his hand, and. Well, and that was the defensive line that had that had uh, Eric Curry, Joe Copeland on it, who were two of the yeah. biggest defensive linemen I'd ever seen. So nice. What was that? Well, Sap. I, I hope the Hurricanes swamp Florida State this weekend. I believe they're playing. <laughs> correct. <laughs> hey, uh, Florida State. Florida State used to be my like second team that I right. I always kind of pulled yeah. for, but I haven't. Man, I'll tell you, I've I've lost track with them a little bit. So, well, we have, do you we think have Florida State and... goes out and hires Deion Sanders? Oh, well, I don't know. I think the guy down there, uh, the guy from Memphis, I think he's winning enough games. I don't know that. I mean, they're not going to get rid of him. That's a good point. That's a good point. Do you think Dion goes to Auburn? And last question that we'll move on. I don't know, but so, so, somebody's going to take a chance on Dion. I mean, no, I think po- you're right. Hey, that, that, mo- that message board guy, and then we'll move on to this. He took a screenshot from somewhere from an Auburn fan who said Dion wanted control, complete control of the program. And this might be a, a fluke. Who knows? And a portion of the NIL money, they interviewed him this week, and Auburn said no. But that might be – I mean, that's Twitter stuff. Who knows? But I was going to say, that's, that's – I'll that's tell a, you this. You get Dion some NIL, and you get him out on the recruiting trail. You let him hire some guys that can yep. help him out and, and, and you know – because, listen, he's still not seasoned on that level. But he, I guarantee you, he could get talent. So, hey, you get that guy oh, yeah. some NL money and get him out on the road and put him in an Auburn polo. I'll tell you what, that, that might be scary. Oh, yep. no question. Yep. All right. So now that we have talked about literally everything other than the biggest news involving the Kansas Jayhawks that, that, that dropped today, let's have at it. Shay, news broke this morning about KU – self-imposing sanctions on the men's basketball program, self-imposing sanctions on Bill Self. Tell me what your thoughts are on the news and, and just what's this mean? Well, my first thought is, is, you know, you, you don't panic. I mean, listen, he signed a lifetime contract. You guys, two national titles, double-digit, um, you know, Big 12 regular season championships, um, Kansas is the all-time leader in, in wins um, in Division One history. Um, so obviously, you know, let's start. You got the four-game suspension for for Coach Self and Coach Townsend. Um, um, you know, they weren't on the road um, April through July. Um, uh, you know, you look at the reduction of four official visits during the academic year um, in 2023 and 2024. Um, the reduction of three total scholarships in men's basketball, um, which will be distributed, I believe, over the next three years. And, you know, to me, obviously, you know, you look at the implementation of a six-week ban on recruiting communication, a six-week ban on unofficial visits, and a 13-day reduction in the number of permissible recruiting days um, during the 2023 calendar year, and the no official visits for late night in the fog. So um, here's how I look at this, you guys. Obviously, they've got a majority of the 2022 class wrapped up. I mean, you know, they got three commits right now um, that are all going to sign next week. Um you know, they've already brought in a number of other guys that they like. Um, and to me, really, the last two prospects and, and Mikey Williams and uh, Caden Cooper. Um, you know, obviously, I think the portal will be a big deal. But to me, the, you guys, someone posted on Twitter today, and this is an interesting fact. This case has been going on since Grady Dick was in the eighth grade. Okay, The eighth grade. He's now a freshman at Kansas. Um, you know, I think KU's done about all they can do. And I... I, I don't know what the NCAA or the 
Um, you know, the independent resolution panel is going to come back and say, after all this, I mean, I think you look at what KU's done, um, you know, just on their own. I mean, at, you know, at some point a decision has to be made. And I heard, um, I was talking with John earlier, um, you know, Jeff Goodman came back and said, hey, we don't, or um, Kansas doesn't expect a, a decision until at the end of the season. And we've been hearing that for like three seasons now. So I think this is just a good way to say, hey, you, you guys, this is what we've done. We've been dealing this for five years. Um, you know, we've 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 um, put out some self um, some self-imposing sanctions and, you know, we've done everything we can on our part. We've been waiting um, for some type of answer since 2017. We haven't gotten anything. So this is what we've done. This is w- what we feel good about. And, you know, we're going to move on from this. I think the thing, obviously, that helps Kansas is when you look at that roster, they've got a bunch of young guys. Right. Um, you know, they've got a bunch of guys. um that are going to be coming back. You know, they've got a bunch of guys, um, freshmen, four, four freshmen in this class, um, you know, the Grady Dick class, uh, Ernest Uday, the Zuby Edgia four, and the MJ Rice. You add three more next year. Um, you know, I think the only guys you're probably going to lose are, you know, depending on transfers, you never know. Jalen Wilson will be gone. Um, you know, McCuller will be gone for sure. Um, and then, you know, I would anticipate everybody coming back unless there's an early departure or transfers. And the thing to me that stands out the most is, you know, you got a guy in Norm Roberts that has a ton of head coaching experience um, who will fill the role for Coach Self. Um, you know, you've got a guy uh, like Joe Dooley who's, um, you know, who's got a ton of coaching experience who I am sure will will take over for um, Curtis Townsend. And, you know, you've got some guys on this staff that have been through this, um, through this fire. You've got a mix of young guys and old guys. And so, I mean, I, you know, to me this is saying Kansas has done really everything they can do while patiently waiting for this thing to come through. And I, you know, at the end of the day, I don't, you know, I, I don't know what else they can be done. I mean, they've operated on good faith. Um, well, that know, said, it, then, do you, I mean, in your best estimation, or do you even have a feeling on when Kansas may finally hear from the NCAA on this? Yeah, I mean, according to Jeff Goodman, he, he said it'll be not until the end of the season. So what are we looking at, another five or six months? And you feel pretty good about that, then? Well, that, I, that no, I don't. Is... No, I mean, if 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 if, if Jeff Goodman's saying it, my feeling is is that he's pretty. I mean, he knows a lot of people at a lot of different places, mm-hmm. and so if he, if he's going on record as saying that, um, you know, I would think so. But Randy, it's 2017, man. We're closing in on 2023. You're right. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, you look at Memphis. I believe recently didn't. Um, Nothing really happened with them, and there's reports that Louisville will get tomorrow. Well, something will happen with Louisville tomorrow, and it's expected to be light. Um, or, you know, not as extreme as maybe many thought. So, listen, you guys were in the era of NIL where millions of dollars are being spent on kids. Millions. Um, you know, I was listening to the Hog Talk the other night, and, you know, the Kansas basketball team got together and donated like $17,000 to, um, to the Lawrence community. Um, yep. Obviously, I know in 2017 NIL wasn't around, but when you look at everything that's going on today, everything that's transpired, um, the fact that KU has gone out of their way, um, to put forth some of these, um, you know, self-imposing sanctions. You know, I don't, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, I think when this originally started, that people expected the hammer to be dropped. And K, 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 KU really has done an amazing job of um, selling itself on where it stands, where they believe what happened. Um, and, and taking this step, I think, is, 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 a, uh, is a big step in, kind of putting a resolution to this w- when the decision is made and, and kind of moving on for it. I think people expected losses, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, losses taken away and 
postseason bans. And if you look recently at some of these other schools, none of that has happened. So I would, um, I think this is a move that was made in good faith. And you know, I think I would think that Bill and those guys up there have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen in five or six months. And so th- this is why these steps are being made. Shay. Thank you very much for joining us. Obviously, big news. We had to have you on to talk about it. We appreciate your insight, man. Like I say, we will have you on, and we will talk football soon. Okay, brother? Guys, have a a good night, man. I appreciate your time, and I'll talk to you again soon. Talk to you soon, Shay. All right, Kirby. We finally have a football game in Lawrence again on this Saturday. It seems like the the Hawks have been on the road or just, just out of action for so long now. What it, do you, it does? What do you, it does. I mean, can it, you it, remember a run like this where there it just seemed like they were just gone? Yeah, th- there was. It was a uh, God. I can't remember. It might have been two or three years ago. This same scenario came in where there was a bye week and two road games mixed in there somewhere, and you're basically away from your home stadium for a month. You know, so crazy. The bye week was. You know, we didn't have Lance talk last week. There really wasn't any media. Um, you know. And, you know, I sat on the couch Saturday and watched football all day. You know, uh-huh. that's what I do on the bye week. My, my wife is like, I thought KU didn't play. I said, hey, they don't play. But I'm going to be sitting here watching football all day Saturday. Yeah, because yeah, now you can watch everybody else <laughs> that's and, right. and just be a fan for a while. Absolutely. I told, I, I, I told my wife, KU's on a bye week, but I'm not on a bye week from watching <laughs> college football. There, hey, there you go. We only get so many of these weekends, John. You got to take advantage of every one you get. That's right. Now, you know, as the Jayhawks are getting back in action this Saturday against Oklahoma State, there's no better guest. There's no better way to preview the matchup than to bring in our good buddy, the man, BMAC, Brandon McAnderson. JK is going to take this one over on the studio line, and we're going to hear from one of the Jayhawks, one of the voices of the Jayhawks radio network, the Kansas football sideline analyst, Mr. Brandon McAnderson. We are joined by Brandon McAnderson, who's best known as the sideline reporter for KU and the former captain and running back of the Orange Bowl team from 2007. Brandon, how you doing? I'm doing well, John. Thanks for having me. Hey, we're always, uh, always happy to get you on. The Kansas fans always love to hear what you have to say. So I guess the biggest thing I ask you is during the bye week, what'd you do, man? What, you had no football game to cover, so what was the week like for Brandon McAnderson? Oh, I uh, got to know my wife again, and uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> I just hung out with my kids and family, and you know, did some fun Halloween stuff, and uh, had a good time. You know, my my wife comes in, and I just sit in front of the TV from like eleven to nine on Saturday. She's like, "I thought it was a bye week." I said, "Well, it is for KU, but I'm still going to watch my football." Absolutely. That's just part of the uh part of the equation <laughs> these days is that you just gotta you just gotta be a part of it. Yeah. All right, so Brandon is a former player. You know, the, these guys went eight straight weeks with playing football with no bye. As a player, what would you have done during the bye week and how just get your body ready and what what would the bye week have been like for you guys and what these guys go through? Well, you know, there's a part of it that's very simple that's kind of hard to understand is that's just the rest part just not having to do you know having to be in collisions consistently especially a a person like me that played running back just having a chance to not have to do that you know to not be crashing into people at full speed you know to not be dialed in on game plans there's like a 
a mental refresher as well, just because you don't have to do as much preparation. Um, you do some opponent prep, but not a lot. And then you get a chance to watch the TV copy of the team as it's happening. So it's just a, a different kind of preparation. It's lighter and uh, your body and your mind really appreciate it. Well, they've hit a rough patch, you know, with three straight losses after starting five and zero. What are some of the things that you think they can do to get that confidence back and turn it back around? Well, I think Jalen Daniels helps because he's so good at all the intangibles, so good at keeping them on track uh, with down and distance, getting them in the right plays. You know, he's exceptional, exceptional at that kind of stuff. You know, Bean is a very good player and such a luxury to have, you know, because of his skill set, ability to create explosive plays. But that consistency on the intermediate throws is something that comes and goes with him. And he just, you know, they end up in a lot of third and medium, third and longs, and that's tough for anybody. And, you know, it's not like it's just his fault. You know, there's other things that need to happen. You know, there's other ways that they can be successful that they haven't been. But I think Jalen just gives them a different kind of confidence. It'd be nice to get him back. Now, without him, you know, they're going to – they always tailor that game plan to the quarterback and to, to what they have available. So, you know, it's going to be the best possible way for them to win a game. So, I'm excited for them to just be well-rested. And I think the defense has just played better at home. So, I think they'll just get a lot – some home cooking and have a chance to just to play a little bit better and get off to a better start defensively. All right, over the bye week, you know, obviously they're going to go back. And I, the coordinators yesterday said they're going to – Go back and look at some things that worked and what didn't and maybe focus on those. What are some things that you think they might tweak or some things that they can improve on? Well, I think they'll want to improve on, you know, playing gap sound and tackling. I thought at times, you know, against the outside zone stuff with Baylor and the inside zone running stuff of Oklahoma, they just got out gapped a lot, especially on the backside. They haven't done a good job of engaging that block and maintaining integrity. It's either been I'm going to try to shoot this gap or I'm going to try to take him head on and it just ends up, you know, giving up a lot more on the ground than I think Borland and staff would want to. And they just made, you know, the last two games specifically, not including the TCU game, they just made more mental errors than you're used to. You know, some some coverage misses on third and longs. Uh, you know, the screen game has been, you know, something that's hurt them all year. It's not something they've played well the last couple of weeks. So I think it's tackling you know, playing that screen game well and then responding to, you know, having that gap integrity, um, you know, and the offensive line also getting back on track in terms of responsibilities and moving people in the run game. All right, I know you study the opponents and study the film and everything. Just, you know, my last question for you, when you look at this matchup, you know, what do you think about this game? What do you expect in Saturday? I think it's a winnable game. These, the, All these teams are comparable, and I mean everybody in the Big 12. You know, you could see a, a first half where Baylor's completely dominant and a second half where Kansas is completely dominant. So these teams are all equal. And you saw last week, Oklahoma State probably had their worst game in, in a decade and, and really got beat up by a good K-State team. So there's some opportunities there, and I think it'll be a, a, a tough matchup for Kansas, but I think it's a winnable game, and I think it's a game that they will win. Uh, I think they'll be rested. I think they'll be motivated, and it's a, it's to take advantage of, of that hot start and get back on track. Brandon McAnderson delivering some some good predictions for the Kansas fans out there listening. Brandon, as always, man, I really appreciate you joining us. All right, thanks for having me, man. All right, take care. Bye.
players in the Kansas program got a chance to get some rest over the past week and heal up. And Devin Neal is one of the guys that maybe needed a break just as much as anybody else in the program did. We got a chance to talk with Devin here a little bit about the bye week and what this program is doing to gear up for Oklahoma State. We are joined by Devin Neal. Devin, just talk about the bye week and what that's able to do for you guys, just body and getting healthy. Yeah, I mean, just, you can see, like, down the road, I mean, it's football. So um, coming into, like, week eight last week, it was just really important that we got our bodies right. And, you know, some guys that were dinged up getting back on the field and getting moving around. And leading up to this week, it was a really productive week for us. We, we were able to still watch some film at Oklahoma State and, you know, get prepared and get our bodies right at the same time. When you have a bye weekend, What's it like? Do you sit around and watch some college football? Tell me about your weekend off. Yeah, it's kind of cool. You can kind of sit back and kind of just reel in college football a little bit and spend time with, you know, if you want to spend time with your families too. So, um, you know, just looking back and watching football, you know, you look at other teams in the Big 12, see what everyone's like and how they're competing and, you know, try to, you know, take in some tips that you can take into the week you do play them. So that's what I was doing all weekend. Being close to home, do you go back and make uh, Ryan and Frida cook you up some food? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And, you know, Halloween weekend, too, so I was able to spend some good time with little sis, too, so that was fun. Yeah. You guys have been away for uh, two, two, two road games and then a bye game. So it's almost been a month since you've been back in the yeah. stadium. Just talk about getting back at home and playing. Yeah, getting back at home is important. You know, rocking the booth and, you know, having that home field advantage is really important, you know, because we know how it can affect us as an offense, especially, you know, with that crowd noise. And, you know, hopefully our, our crowd can do that to the other team's offense and defense and, you know, maybe rattle their cage a little bit too. When you watch Oklahoma State on film, what do you see from them defensively? Yeah, I mean, we, we knew what we were getting into last year, you know, seeing how physical those guys were. And we wanted to be that type of team down the road. So this year, they're just as physical. You know, they're fast and, you know, they're really sound to their discipline. So it's going to come down to how well we execute on offense. And, you know, that's what's really important going into this game. You know, Devin, you hear it from the fans and everybody talking about how important that sixth win is to get to a bowl game, get all that extra practice. I mean, is that something you guys talk about? Yeah, I mean, we're not focused on just getting one more win. You know, we're trying to, you know, clean the table and, you know, hopefully get four more wins because that's that's our goal here is to win games and, you know, not just settle for one, you know. So that's what we've really been thinking about is, you know, how we're going to plan to, you know, get four really big wins in November. Thanks, Devin. Good luck this weekend. Thank you. All right, Kirby, it's that time. Let's get the predictions, and let's break down this matchup against the Pokes. What are your thoughts heading into Saturday? Randy, this is a weird – to me, this is the weirdest game that we will talk about as we try to predict it and break it down than that that we've talked about all year long. Um, Listen, a week ago, Oklahoma State was in the top top ten, okay? But I'm just telling you, they are not – right now, they are not a top-10 team. They're not close to a top-10 team. They are no banged up. They are not the same team they were a few weeks ago because of the injuries and, and, and possibly Spencer Sanders. I mean, they've played Baylor. They go down to Baylor and Waco, beat them. They go back home. They play Texas Tech. And that that I want to say Texas Tech was leading that game in the beginning of the fourth quarter. Okay, they turn around. They got to go play an emotional game against TCU. They go back home and play a, a game against Texas, another huge game. It's kind of that pseudo rivalry, and these are all close games. These are all tight games. And then last week against Kansas State, I think the bottom just fell out of Oklahoma State. I think everything kind of just balled up and then exploded. I think these tight games 
injuries took a toll on them. And I think Kansas State got up on them and just kind of just that that ball that snowball rolling downhill and Oklahoma State had no answer. And I'm not saying Oklahoma State quit, but at some point you could just feel the air came out of Oklahoma State. So, you know, when you're playing all those emotional games and they're that tight and they're huge games, they're ranked teams playing each other, Randy, that takes a lot out of you. Um, you know, I posted on the board today that I'm telling you, Oklahoma State's this will be this will be the least dominant O-line in the Big 12 that KU's D-line and their front seven will face. Oklahoma State's offensive line is struggling. I mean, they got three centers on the pro football focus that are scoring like 52, 48, 49. I can't even remember what they were. But, I mean, they were low. They've got a left tackle scoring like 50.0, which is incredibly low. It's so un-Oklahoma State-like, and they're banged up. So, you know, it, you know, we're still waiting to really hear what's going to go on with Spencer Sanders. Everybody that I'm talking to down there doesn't think he's going to play. So that means Gunnar Gundy, the, the son of head coach Mike Gundy, is probably going to get the start. He's been Oof. in the program for a couple years. Okay, he's a left-handed kid. He he moves around sneaky. I've I've gone and watched his high school film. You know, he's not slow. He's not Spencer Sanders. Let, let me tell you something. Oklahoma State has had trouble running the football. This offensive line, their backs, they're just not getting yards. And when you look at it, some of their best runs and most productive have come from Sanders. I want to say he's got 350 yards of rushing on the year. So they're struggling to run the ball. Then the quarterback who makes them go, okay, may not play. Defensively, That's the biggest piece right there. It is. I mean, he's their leader. The guy was the first team all Big 12 selection last year. Um, defensively, I like what they do on their front four. They've got some good athletes. And, and then just to add, you know, insult to injury, they lost their punter against K-State. He's done for the year. I mean, they're, they're running back. Dominic Richardson's questionable. They've got a couple other wide receivers. Uh, Jaden Bray, he's got a thumb injury. He's likely going to be out. Braden Johnson's going to be out. The offensive linemen, Hunter Woodward and Preston Wilson, are going to, they've been banged up. I'm just telling you, these guys have spent a lot of energy and, and, and their health in some big games. So when you look at the other side, KU's coming off a of bye week. They're healthy. They're at home. You know, they're getting some of that confidence back. And, and right now, I kind of feel like it's two teams who are just moving in opposite directions. And, you know, I think KU can do enough offensively. I really don't know what to expect from Oklahoma State, but I think KU can do enough offensively to win this game. I, I, I think it's going to be a close game. I think Oklahoma State's going to play with pride. But, man, I, I just I feel good about Kansas in this game with everything considered. If, if this game was two teams healthy, my money would probably be on Oklahoma State. But that's not Agreed. the case right now. So, Kansas hadn't beat Oklahoma State since 2007. We're talking 15 years. I'm going with the streak to end. I'm going with the Jayhawks, 31-24. Give me yours. Gosh, I'm I'm right there with you on this one. I, as I said, I feel like the key to this matchup is kind of, you know, it reminds me of the game against Oklahoma. We said in that one, if Dylan Gabriel plays, that team is a completely different matchup. And I think that's exactly what happens here with Oklahoma State. If Spencer Sanders is in there for the Pokes, this gets a heck of a lot tougher for the Jayhawks. However, 
like you said, with the amount of injuries and, and how banged up a an offensive line that isn't really up to the standards that we've seen from OSU this the last few years. I, I think they're vulnerable, but specifically if we see Gundy's, you know, the, the son of the mullet, if you will, little Gundy in there, I think Kansas has a tremendous shot to win this game. I know we've been saying it for the last three weeks that we, I think we both predicted it for the last three weeks, basically, that KU was going to win and become bowl eligible. I think this is the week it finally happens. Um, all the, you know, the experts that I that I listen to and read, everybody's kind of saying the same thing. Like it really, KU is in tremendous position, especially coming off a bye with the injuries they've had. You know, listen to the coaches show tonight. I think we're getting closer to potentially getting Luke Grimm back, having uh, maybe even Jalen Daniels back out there. And those are huge pieces for this offense. I think... I like that 31-24. That's exactly where I was thinking about going with it. I, I'm, You know what? For the first time, I'm going to take the same score, same prediction as you. I Maybe I'm thinking more with my heart on this one because I know we're all Kansas fans here. But, man, I think this might be their best shot. I really, really do. Kansas takes down Oklahoma State without Spencer Sanders. 31-24 in Lawrence on Saturday on what should be a fantastic fall day. Well, Randy, and let, let me tell you, okay, the, there's been this weird quarterback game going on, right? I mean, so mm-hmm. Kansas, they go out. F- first of all, Jalen Daniels gets hurt, okay? And then then they've got Oklahoma. And the big question was, is Gabriel going to play for Oklahoma? And he plays. And they were coming off some losses, and they were ready for KU. I mean, KU went down there, and they caught Oklahoma, who was on fire, okay? Then the next yeah. week, it's Baylor. And then Shapin, the quarterback there, who's kind of the leader of their team, he gets the concussion against West Virginia, and you're like, is he going to play? Well, he plays, okay? Those games were on the road, and those quarterbacks played. Now everything's kind of reversing roles because now it's going to be Oklahoma State going on the road to Lawrence, likely without their quarterback. We still got to wait and see here. I just don't. I just don't know how he's going to play. Um, just just the way he walked off the field, and even against Kansas State in the game before, I was watching him, and I mean his throws didn't have zip on them, and and he was bouncing some balls in front of receivers. I, I just don't think he's healthy. So I, I think for the first time, KU may get a little bit of luck on their side in, in how all this is playing out. John, you said the recruiting would start to pick back up after the bye week. And you've made several posts on the board talking you know, with you off the air, too. It seems that exactly what you expected to happen is happening. I can't imagine. I, I don't know how many times I've said that to you, but it seems like you're right more often than not, John. So this is just another occasion of that. I'm going to give you the floor. Have you had a chance to, you know, I'm going to give you the floor really not to have you had a chance, but to give you the chance to catch us up on everything that has been happening over the last couple weeks with recruiting with this program over the course of the bye week. Well, you know, I'll kind of get it caught back on what's maybe happened over the last, you know, five to seven days since the coaches went out on the road. Uh, They went out, I believe, some of them flew out Wednesday. I think they started hitting some schools on Thursday and things like that. Um you know, we're recording this podcast on Wednesday night, and on Thursday, Jamil Croft, very talented athlete out of Martin Luther King in Michigan, is going to make his announcement sometime in the afternoon. 
And, you know, I, I think the Jayhawks are in the in the thick of this. I think they are in good position with him. Chris Simpson, he recruits the Detroit area, and, and that's where Kansas is really building a pipeline. Jordan Peterson flew out to watch him play. I heard he had a great game. He matched up against a wide receiver from Michigan that's a Michigan State commit. He's like one of the top players in the 2024 class, and I heard he looked real good against him. You know, Croft had some early offers from Tennessee, West Virginia, Kentucky, Pitt, and there were some others in there, okay? But that Detroit connection, and you know, I want to tell you something, Randy, and I I hear this a lot in recruiting, and and I get what people say, but you know, people say, well, he, he doesn't have an offer from Tennessee now. Or, you know, that offer from Kentucky maybe isn't on the table. That doesn't matter. What matters is he did have those offers at one point, okay? And that's what people don't understand is that Tennessee, at some point Tennessee thought this kid was good enough to offer him. Now maybe they filled up or maybe they've moved off in a different direction. But the fact that he did get the offer, this is what people forget about. Tennessee saw something on film that said, this kid can play for us. We're going to offer him. No doubt. So, you know, there's the Detroit connection. So, hey, Thursday, you know, maybe that's a good day for the Jayhawks on the recruiting trail. You know, then he had a chance to, Lance Leipold went out and watched Keaton Kubeka, and then he went and watched Kaysen Wiseman. The coaches were everywhere. They they were from California to Florida. They had a lot of junior college games. I know they're at Iowa Central, Iowa Western. They were at Mm -hmm. Trinity Valley. They were at Hutch Highland. They were at uh, Glendale, L.A. Southwest. They were they were somewhere else. College of the Canyons. Uh, I don't can't remember who College of the Canyons played, but Blinn Neo. So they they were they they hit a lot of places. I know one of the places they were at was Lardarius Webb. Remember this name because he's going to take an official to KU. He just told me before the podcast. He, it sounds to me like it's KU and Oklahoma State maybe fighting there at the top two for him. Very talented corner out of Jones College. Um, Kansas just offered Nico Taylor who's a 6'6", 245-pound defensive end from Hutch. He is originally from Blue Valley North. He mm-hmm. has really blossomed. And I'm telling you, this guy has a high ceiling. I mean, he's he's going to be good. And and I think the Jayhawks are, you know, they're going to be in it with him. Buffalo Cruz, the offensive lineman from City College of San Francisco, right before we started the podcast here, he told me he is setting the official visit. So I believe he's coming out for the Texas game. I've got to go back and double check. He told me the date right before we went on the podcast. So, you know, those are just some guys that they've they've hit and we're going to start getting more and more news. This is going to be picking up and I I said it would and it has. This weekend, I think about maybe 40, 50 possible visitors for the Oklahoma State game. Saraz Bunkum, who wide receiver out of California, everybody knows him. He was one of the mm-hmm. first guys to commit and and you know, he he's had a good season, talented wide receiver. He's coming in from California. Israel Moses, who is a wide receiver, PWO, he just committed. He'll be there. Michael Boganowski, who is from Junction City, 2024 guy. He had a K-State offer earlier. Kansas just offered. He's going to be in. Um, Marquez Taylor, a running back, a 2023 running back, who holds an offer from the Jayhawks. He's had a McKenzie, Tennessee. He'll be in. And I haven't confirmed, but I believe Ryan Jostis, an offensive lineman from Washington and Missouri, will also be in. He's got a KU offer. So again, the, you know, another another solid list. You got to remember too. You got um, Kansas State's playing at home, Missouri's playing at home, and I'm pretty certain Nebraska and Iowa State are playing at home. So you've got 
all your locals at home. So it, it's more of a fight. It's a competitive weekend to get recruits on campus. But, you know, I expect about 40 to 50. And, and, and I think I said after the bye week, it's going to start getting crazy. We're going to start hearing stuff. And I think we're starting to get into that stage. That is the last word from our man, John Kirby. And that will do it for another edition of the Inside Slant podcast from JayhawkSlant.com. True to form, this was a pregame edition, but we brought in our man Shea Wildeboer because news broke on the Kansas basketball beat. We've gotten you ready for the Oklahoma State game. We talked about what went on during the bye week. We've previewed the matchup, given our predictions. You are ready for 2.30 on Saturday when the Pokes roll into Memorial Stadium in Lawrence. For our man Shea Wildeboer on the basketball beat, for my man John Kirby on the football side, I'm Randy Withers. You've been listening to the Inside Slant podcast from JayhawkSlant.com. We will talk with you again soon. This has been a podcast from JayhawkSlant.com.